Hi, everyone, and welcome to Human Centered. I'm Nick Brunker, a group director of experience strategy at BMLYNR and your host for the show. Thanks for giving us a listen. We're just a few weeks removed now from CES 2023, where more than 3,000 people from 173 countries convened in Las Vegas to witness and showcase technology innovations and where things may be taking us in the years ahead and how it might add value to our lives and the experiences that we engage in. And when we want to talk CES and innovation, we need to make just one call. And that's to VMLYNR's Chief Innovation Officer, Brian Yamada, who is kind enough to join us on the show today. Brian, welcome. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for having me. Of course. Before we dive in, let's uh, just get a quick rundown of you and your background for those that may may not have had a chance to meet you yet and your history at VMLYNR. Sure. So, uh, Chief Innovation Officer, so I look after everything innovation, mobility, emerging technology. Um, Also look after our data analytics and data science part of the world as well. Um, I'm... uh, Long time VML YNR person, so I go back to the legacy VML side of the house, and I joined in 1999, which sounds crazy <laughs> to say, even those numbers out loud. <laughs> it feels so, like yeah, so, it was that at 99. It doesn't, I mean, for you and me at least, I don't know if everybody feels this way, it doesn't seem like that long ago, but it's been a long time. <laughs> it has been a long time. It feels like a it does. It doesn't feel like it's been that many years when you actually think about the actual. Um, but you know, it's, in some respects, it feels like yesterday. Some respects, it feels like I've been here forever all at the same time. <laughs> no doubt. And you've you joined and and have kind of gone through what an, an interesting time in the space as you've kind of moved from mobility and technology. Like it was even social media at its time was still in its infancy. Um, I got to think as you've gone over the years to CES, and this is certainly not your first one. Like. What an interesting time to be in the business. And for somebody like yourself who's seen it quite literally explode uh, in front of our eyes, that, that has to be been a pretty awesome journey. Yeah, it's. I mean, yeah, that, that's probably a different podcast to track all the <laughs> all the changes that I've seen over the years. But um, as it relates to you know technology and uh, CES in particular, like CES been around for 50 years by itself. So mm-hmm. early days of CES were television sets with tubes and innovation meant rabbit ears <laughs> uh, and better ways to grab the signal. Like today, you're seeing all the different ways that technology is being embedded to our lives, how we entertain ourselves, how we move around, how we can be more sustainable, um, how we can be more healthy. Um, so all of that is everywhere at CES, and it's definitely explosive in terms of the coverage. You know, you hear from all kinds of different publications, and it, the blog sphere is is full of these these articles of the most amazing technologies and like people are blowing their socks off and uh, you know, flying cars and all kinds of things every year. Uh, and every year we kind of ask the same question to, to folks that talk CES. Was there anything that just wowed you as you, you look back at this this particular visit to Las Vegas? Yeah, you know, uh, I, the, one of the things that's uh, so powerful at CES to just wander through the the floor space you're going through, especially areas like Eureka Park and the startup villages, and you never know what innovations can be around the corner. Uh, so that that sense of discovery and anticipation, definitely the exciting part. But um, I, I, I'm not sure that this year was a year that uh, I walked around and just had that holy crap moment of, man, I'm just blown away by something new. But that said, you know, as you said, like, we've had things like flying cars for a number of years. We've had things like robots that are having intelligent conversations back to you or bringing, uh, picking up 
your meal and bringing it to you or picking up trash. Like all those things have been around for a while. So the expectations of what it takes to blow you away uh, are, are super high. But that said, I mean, everything's gotten smaller, faster, better mm-hmm. over these years, right? So the the uh, artificial intelligence baked into things, the speed of processors, uh, everything about the technologies have gotten smoother, have gotten more precise. So. Uh, I, I definitely think we've seen a lot of um, incremental innovation, a lot of very amazing evolutions, but maybe not the one big rev- revolution this year. Well, it's really interesting, and this is totally an aside, but I, I'm introducing my almost four-year-old daughter to, to Looney Tunes. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, some episodes are more like, wow, that's dated than others. But one that, that actually came up the other night um, as we were you know, laying down, getting ready for bed, she wanted to watch some Looney Tunes. So I was like, oh, well, we can watch one or two episodes. They're like six minutes long. And the one was House of Tomorrow. And some of the stuff that, and this is probably the 1950s, I think, in the early 1950 episode. Um, it just, again, thinking how long these, these shows have, have been you know, on the air and how, how much they have aged. Um, it was things like, hey, a robot comes out and cleans your house. And it was, it was mm-hmm. obviously more in the shape of a human on the show. Um, and you know, it comes out and it sweeps up the rug. It, it senses something on the ground and it comes out and sweeps it up and goes back to the closet and i'm thinking to myself in that moment my daughter at age four like that's a normal daily daily life activity like yeah there's the roomba i'm wondering in, in your mind the time period in which we would look at say like in the 1950s if you saw that robot you'd be like well, that's ridiculous that's crazy that's so awesome and innovative and today it's like well yeah that's like commonplace are you seeing that gap shrink? Are you seeing that time period where do you think 10 years we're going to be like, holy crap, that is nuts <laughs> compared to where we were today? If you just looking back on your career. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's looking looking at some of the stats, the adoption stats for chat GPT, how quickly yeah. that got to a million users. Like that's a great example of how long it took, uh, you know, Facebook, the iPhone, Twitter, like think about the the major things that have become a central part of daily lives. Like the, it's, it's taken a lot longer. And on the flip side, I think our uh, our expectation levels and how how quickly we start to take things for granted um, mm-hmm. has also gotten much, 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 much faster. So, you know, think about the first time you had Wi-Fi on a plane, you could actually work. You know, that was great until all of a sudden it went down. You're like, oh, my gosh, this, this shit. <laughs> you're like, why, why don't is you this have so good slow? internet? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. You're flying through the air. You're, and you have, you, you're able to watch a movie. Like, you couldn't quite get that, that big attachment that somebody sent you to download. Like, come on. <laughs> that gigabyte so, file yeah. that Looney sent. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we have, yeah, Looney. Looney's always, <laughs> yes, always sending massive files. <laughs> we love but, you, uh, <laughs> Yes, exactly. But yeah, so I do think it's a combination of those things. I think we're, um, we're racing forward and the speed of innovation is happening faster and faster. And that that level of expectation continues to go up. Um, but I, and I, for customer experience pros, I think it's the it, that's the opportunity space. Right. So as mm-hmm. fast as the technology is moving, like how one, like how do we make sure that it's easy, that it's frictionless, that the way that you're interacting with it um, is, uh, is is bringing that technology to life in its most powerful way. And then I think the flip side of it is like we're it's, it's also enabling different types of interactions that, that weren't there before. So we have to examine, you know, what are the what's possible and how do we bring that to life in the way that's most beneficial for the audience and for the users? 
as a CX pro, kind of getting back to the thought, what sorts of things might you suggest pros are looking for when you're trying to see, well, maybe there's technology or how might, might I t- dip my toe into something like chat GPT or other new evolving technology to, to test something out that may not have otherwise been testable even as recently as a year or two ago? Yeah, I think uh, as it relates to CES, you probably have to look at it on two lenses. And one is uh, how is the industry changing for my the, the client that I'm working on or the business that I'm working in? And, and you know, in some of those cases, it's um, that just that aspect is extraordinary shifts. So uh, what what's going to happen in your vehicle when you don't need a steering wheel? <laughs> Um, how are you? How do you take your time? What's a value? What's of use? And some of that is in the operations. How does, how does it know where you're heading? How, how does it give you some sense of control? And some of it's a, what, the entertainment, the distractions. How do we how do we show you the best pizza joints between here and the place that you're going? Because it's lunchtime and that's what you're in the mood for. Um, same with categories like digital health or you could, you know, there are a number of different places where the industry is evolving and you need to keep up with uh, with where that puck is headed. And then the flip side is how is your audience evolving? So what are the new technologies that are that they're using to consume content that they're using in their homes, right? And what what does that now enable us to do in terms of how we communicate to them, how we engage, what types of experience can start to come forward that didn't necessarily exist before? And that's where like being on the early stage of seeing where where it's going, you can at least prepare yourself for what's going to get to mass adoption. You know, that's that's a tricky part, I think, because not everything at CES is going to make it out. A lot of it maybe prototypes for the future is the best way to think about it where they it may not but it may not get to mass scale in that exact form but there are aspects of how people are experiencing life how they're interacting with each other um, that will change so the, the more that you're continuing to stay on that edge i think the more prepared you'll be for whatever comes next I think it's it's interesting too. When we were prepping for the show, we talked about the the whole. There wasn't any holy holy crap moments uh, at the, at the show, but yet there there are things that that are happening that make existing technology just better. You mentioned better, faster, cheaper, and, and I think about things that that we could talk about from an industry vertical perspective. But things like like health, it's not that you know we can measure things; it's that we can measure them better more simplistically, or even like sensor, it becomes smaller. So it's not that it can, it, the, doing the thing is not no longer the the novelty or even just the technology blow your mind sort of thing. It's it's the speed in which the data can be passed or the level of data. And I think of things like even back in the 90s, you look at some of the computers that were in, in the space. And I mean, these were still by today's standards, absolutely massive. Um, and yet as time's gone on, things are getting smaller and and, you know, easier to embed in all kinds of things. So um, I, I think it's really interesting when you talk about the expectation of like, blow your mind crazy, yet there, there's some really exciting things happening that are just further enhancements in significant ways of uh, already existing technology. Can you talk a little bit about well, what you saw in that space? Sure. Like in specific to health, the, you know, the concept of wearable technology has been around for a while, mm-hmm. but when you when you think about the connected device and the addition of AI to do more real time analysis of that, so you start to end up with things like not just a, not just a heart rate monitor, but implants that can monitor and act 
and you know send an electric shock if you're cardiac if you run into some sort of cardiac arrest or some sort of issue right so and those devices are getting smaller and smaller they're going through um that we saw things like um connected stethoscopes so if you have lung or breathing conditions being able to have technology that is now on you and you're not your doctor's not just seeing you every month or every couple of weeks or whatever it is and, and hearing your breathing in that moment in time but now you've got a steady stream of monitoring that happens they know it's not up to you to have to remember as a patient how often did i actually have a acute issue of this how when did that come up when did you have the exact traceability of how many times that happened what environment you happen to be in when that took place right so like the those are the types of leaps forward that take the take us i think to new places so you're not relying upon the periodic and a patient's memory which let's face it is always bad <laughs> yes uh, it gets worse as we get older as you know amen so, to that <laughs> uh, the, we have we have technology that's helping to fill in the gaps and make sure that the doctor is actually fully informed. And in some cases, we can be proactive and deliver um, deliver treatment, deliver a, a pulse in those areas. Uh, there were a couple of other things that I saw that were interesting implants. Like there was a, a small implant, maybe the size of a half dollar, a little thicker, perhaps. Yeah, sure. Um, that ran electrical impulses to your brain that would help with tremors. There Amazing. were... There was a similar size device that would do a uh, electrical shock into your into your spine to control chronic pain, and that's that's a, now an implant device that can happen. So, um, if if you can have that instead of an opioid to control pain like that, that's mm -hmm. you know massively less risk in terms of addiction. So, um, it's really really interesting to see where all of that exploration is really headed. Well, and that that layers in the idea of you know ethical ethical CX and innovation, as well as, you know, something that's super, super viable, as well as desirable for customers. And I think that that's a really interesting um, angle. I think the other thing, going back to the some of the medical examples that you were giving about how the technology is enhancing, you know, human to human connection of like the, the health experience or going to the doctor. I think that's where, for me, CX pros might be able to lean into to opportunity because, it, yes, the experience obviously is improved, you know, human to human, um, and it, they, they get more data and they uh, live healthier lives. A-OK, -okay, that's awesome. In and of itself, that's fantastic innovation. But as we think about the layer that's perhaps one click out of that, what do we look at when the ex experience of going to a doctor or the experience of having, a, 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 you know, a schedule and a life built around, like, if I have to go to the doctor, I have to get in my car, I've got to drive to an office. Like there's obviously that improvements have, have existed in telehealth for some time. It's, it's, I'd say drastically grown, especially since COVID you see that technology and, and maybe you don't immediately think about, well, how could that technology um, change the way a customer does or doesn't have to do this journey of going to the doctor. And I think that's where right. to me, the excitement comes. It's like, yes, the actual physical act of measuring that person's breathing that's going to be improved. That technology is going to make that person healthier, but it's also going to completely reshift how an entire experience has been going on in a customer's life for as long as they've been alive. And that to me is that where I think from a, a CX pros perspective, that's where, and I don't mean this in a crass way, but that's where the money's going to get made is, is yeah. new opportunities. And then to your point, that becomes the benchmark, just like Wi-Fi in the sky was. It's like, at one point, that's super cool, but now it's the expectation, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, you could, if you think about the 
where where telehealth will go. So we're having a conversation. I can see you in front of me. So if, if I were the doctor and you're the patient, there's a there's a there will be a time that this window is augmented. I can see your real time stats. So I can see your heart rate, your take your temperature, breathing. Um, I can pull up your files. So I could tap into your your the the wearable history of the last two weeks since we last had a conversation, try to look to see like how how has your heart been, how has your breathing been, or whatever it is that I happen to be tracking over time. Like I do think that when you start to look at the integration of experiences and especially the customer experience, like do I have to wait in the lobby? Do I have to wait in a room? Right. For the exactly. next person to show up? No, I don't. I can I can get a text that says. Dr. Bronker is ready to see you and I can pop <laughs> in in that moment and have a virtual conversation for that. Right. And you could still have access to all, not just the information and feel like we're there together, but all the historical data and all the other information that's there. Now that said, the, it's not just a customer experience shift, but there's a there's a process and a mindset shift that HCPs are going to have to make. Mm -hmm. uh, like I have, uh, this is a personal example. Like I, I have a, a weird issue in my right eye <laughs> that affects me and mostly like 80 year old people for some reason. Um, and <laughs> of which so, you're not, let's be clear. Yes. Yeah, just be clear. I mean, I don't know how old I sound, but I'm not 80. And even though I joined in 99, I'm not that old. So, uh, but yeah, so the, uh, they, yeah, and watching that technology has actually been interesting to see over time too. I'm probably not. I am definitely not the, the traditional patient that they have. <laughs> so they've been they've been doing these like high definition photographs of the back of my eye for quite some time. So you know, I don't know, a handful of years ago when we were starting to get into computer vision, I got in the conversation the retinal guy or you know chit chatting in the beginning. I said, you know what, we're we're kind of messing around with uh, with computer vision lately and artificial intelligence. And what I'd love to do is get a handful of the of the digital images that you've taken in the back of my eye. I'd like to see if we can normalize them and just look to see if we can identify the minute differences. And he was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, oh, you know, computer vision. We were able to do this and try to explain what that means. And then I realized as I'm explaining all that to him that what he heard me saying was, I don't trust you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, mm -hmm. no, it's not, it's not a trust <laughs> question. I, mean, I actually just wanted to explore. So anyway, there, there was a, I think there's, there's that aspect. It's just sort of the cultural docs getting used to being augmented by these things and how that differs in their process. And in order for me, by after, after convincing him that it wasn't a trust issue, they gave me a piece <laughs> of paper to sign of course to get permission yeah. Yeah. yeah, to get permission to access my digital files. And uh, what I ended up getting was a piece of paper with a printout of like two of the low dress. <laughs> uh, that's not quite what I was looking for, but never mind. Never mind. You know who you're and talking some, to. <laughs> yeah. But at some point, like that will be built into the camera, right? That'll be built into instead of him just pulling out the files and looking at it and then looking in my eye, the the software and the devices that are powering all those things will be augmented to just flag that, oh, there's a slight difference here. So mm -hmm. um, all those augmentations will be a part of what's there. And, you know, it, back to the CES discussion, like you're even with things like robotic surgery, we're seeing tools that are allowing an augmented view. So imagine like the 3D scans that we have taken sure. MRIs on the body around like where exactly that tumor is located uh, when they're actually getting into surgery that scan can be positioned so that it's 
in in the location on your body and they can overlay the images together as they're going through so like worlds will come together worlds collide so wild. in good ways so right. wild and you mentioned mixed reality and 3d technology you know that that happens to be one of the buzzy buzzwords like metaverse comes up but i think just take it a layer higher than that so 3d technology mixed reality give us a sense of of how that evolved at this year's ces compared to years past you know uh it's funny like this was the first year that they had a quote unquote metaverse section uh, there. So um, it was one corner. It was pretty heavy in uh, like gaming technologies, uh, lots of headsets, lots of haptics uh, that were over in that space. Um, but when like I tend to take the broader view of the metaverse, so it's not just virtual worlds and virtual games you're kind of immersing yourself in, it's also including this mixed reality extended reality we're actually layering information on top and that's i think that's where we saw innovation really across the board so um lots of companies lots of technologies that are enhancing the capture of 3d um get it's easier to use a camera to scan a device or uh, take uh, have a single point high definition camera in a meeting room and be able to wave my hand a certain way and it will take a high def picture of that portion of the whiteboard and drop it into the tray so that you can actually pull it up and see it as we're having a conversation real time right so um i do think the capture technologies have been improving and i think we're going to find more and more that uh, identify the places where space matters from a customer experience standpoint and we'll need to have 3d objects of all the things that we buy instead of just flat photos and the flat mm-hmm. elements like mm-hmm. you're seeing it you're seeing the beginning of it with things like furniture will my couch fit over in that area but right you know it needs to evolve in more spatially accurate ways and some other categories like i should never have to guess if those running shoes are going to slip on my heel i mm-hmm. i can scan my foot and know the exact dimensions of that they have the exact 3d models of those shoes as they're going out to manufacture. But for some reason, when I look at it online, I just see a flat picture. And mm-hmm. in some cases I can like overlay what it looks like, but what it, we should get to areas where it's spatially accurate. And that's, there will be some categories where that's more effective and more needed than others. Those will be the first places that you see 3D and spatial really start to get immersed. But I, again, it will become a customer expectation soon. And then everybody will expect that they'll be able to see how big that cereal box is. <laughs> well, and on the viability side of the business, then you start to think about, well, there's a lot of investment that goes into this stuff. And what businesses are going to make the the bottom line adjustments that that they can go back to their people and say, this is a good choice for us from a business perspective. And thinking of just the sheer number of dollars and just manpower and time that goes into returns for all kinds of product. If you're offering free returns, which now has become the baseline expectation for most companies that are selling things online, if you are going to be able to invest in this technology, maybe it it's an expense of, let's just pretend it's a million dollars. Well, that may save you a million dollars or more in, in shipping return costs or you know yep. supply chain demand or whatever it ends up being. So it's going to be a really interesting time, not just, just from the customer perspective, but running the business too. And I just think CES is always interesting, but I really am interested in some of the stuff you've talked about in this podcast, because it really does underscore the speed in which things are getting better. Existing stuff is just getting better and faster. Um, and I, I know that you're at the at the center of it and it, your pulse is on it, um, or you have your finger rather on the pulse of that. 
uh, every single year, and we appreciate it. Uh, before we wrap up, I'd love to uh, spend some time and, and hear a little bit more about you, uh, potentially off the clock, some fun facts about Yamada. And I didn't know as we go into this if there's anything in particular that uh, you're like, man, that is a that is a fun fact about Brian. <laughs> uh, so fun fact about me, I'll I'll keep it in the innovation space just because it's a it's a good random funny story. Um, so my last internship uh, was at an agency uh, in Kansas City that was working on of all things a blockbuster video account. Oh and, yeah, <laughs> uh, this was this was way back in 1993. And my summer project was um, to write a white paper to investigate future technologies that would compete against the video rental industry. <laughs> no way. That's yeah. amazing. So, so detail. Yeah, ironically, detail. yeah so I, uh, in order to do that at the time, like I, I didn't, A, I didn't have a desk or a laptop computer. So <laughs> in order to do that, I would drive to the library and look up on microfiche. For those of you that don't know what the hell that is, like the the plastic image <laughs> version that you would look at scroll through with light yes! to try to get to oh. the old issues of uh, mostly like classic uh, the telephone and cable industry publications um, to try to get an understanding of like what tests were happening in the market at that point. Um, it was funny, like at that time, um, Comcast was already doing some video on demand testing. Uh, it was, but the last 50 feet into your home was twisted pair of copper wire. So if you wanted to download a movie, I think they were doing it in Philadelphia at the time. You could um, set up your set up your modem, begin the download, start the process, go to dinner. Hope the Internet didn't hiccup while you're gone. And maybe three <laughs> hours later, you could watch like a super low def shitty version of whatever movie <laughs> yes, you're trying to download. Exactly. So oh. yeah, the the tech was not there at that point, but um, but it was clear that once speed and the technology was starting to move ahead, that it would it would be a better time. Now there were other things that happened before we got into streaming, like there were mailed CD right. uh, DVDs, right. you know, Redbox happening in different areas. So it, it definitely took some time, but it's funny to be um, kind of on that early, 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 early phase of it. <laughs> and now they're, and that's wild. They're finding ways to try and make sure that you can't watch it uh, and share your password with everybody. And as I'm sure many people do, uh, they're finding yeah. their, their, uh, their passwords no longer as shareable as they, as they once were, at least on the Netflix front. Um, and man, that's so funny. I was talking to Kalita McDade about, a similar you know, topic where either it was the technology not not quite ready yet, or or society just not being ready for something. And she had made it made the example of um, I, I think it was can't remember off the top of my head which one it was, but it was a grocery delivery thing, and it was in the mm. in the mid nineties, and it 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 just society wasn't there yet. The, the infrastructure and just the mindset, the technology ish, like as it was at the time, it was ahead of its time, uh, and mm -hmm. I think. Gosh, the the, the dial-up internet sound and the you know lack of speed and like oh, I'm going to download this five megabyte song and uh, all right I'm going to go get dinner and I'm hope in half an hour I've got myself a three minute music track. Uh, it, it's it's amazing to think and and now how much even just on this call that we've been on for you know a half an hour or so how many you know megabytes or hundreds of megabytes or maybe even close to gigabytes of data are being yes. transferred back and forth. It just it blows your mind and. I'm so thankful that you know, we were able to grab some time with you because every time we chat, I'm sure uh, you're going to uh, uncover some new coolness that uh, 
that people haven't thought about before. So thanks again for the time. And uh, we're going to have to do this again. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks to you all for listening to Human Centered as well. To learn more about our CX practice and our approach to the work, check us out online at vmlyr.com slash CX. We'd also love to hear your feedback on the show. Give us a rating and offer up your thoughts wherever you listen to your podcasts, including Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon, and more. Have a topic idea or just want to drop us a line? You can connect with me on Twitter at Nick Brunker or shoot us an email. The address is humancentered at vmlyr.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.